Welcome to the Jacob Barrientos Podcast. To stay connected, go to jacobbarrientos.org. And now, here is Pastor Jacob. We have a privilege to behold the Lord and to be transformed into His glorious image. I've been reading this text out of different versions today. I want to read it out of the Amplified. I have my notes in the Bible app if you like to use that. You can find it on Church Center as well. And uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, continue seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." Hallelujah. Now, you may read that and like that's a lot of uh, interesting language. And let me just make it simple to you. The Bible was giving an example of Moses and how Moses received the, the, the tablets and he came down. His face was glowing under the glory of the Lord. But the Bible says that as we have come into Jesus, now we have a veil that is removed. We can look and behold the Lord. We can behold his word and we can be transformed from glory to glory. Just like Moses was emanating glory, we can emanate glory. Wow. So uh, let me read to you the story, actually, what happened with Moses. We haven't even talked about this yet, but Exodus 33, Exodus 33 in verse 19. It's in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at Moses. He is an example to us. He's one who's gone before us and showed us what a pursuit of the Lord. In fact, verse 18, I messed this up the first service, and verse 18 is where we will uh, begin Moses prayed, please show me your glory. This is Moses speaking to the Lord, and he says, please show me your glory. Everybody, can can we just read that verse together? One, two, three, go. And he said, please show me your glory. Come on, can we ask him again? Please show me. Show me your glory. And this is what the Lord responds to him. He says, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face and live. Whoa. But he said, here is a place by me, and you will stand on the rock, so it will be when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand. You will see my back, but my face will not be seen. Go to the next chapter, Exodus 34 and verse 5. This is when the Lord actually does what he told Moses he was going to do. Verse 5, Exodus 34 says, Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him, Moses, there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is his name, the Lord, the Lord God, 
merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. So Moses made haste and bowed down with his head towards the earth and worshiped. And he said, if, I, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Be among us, Lord. Will you be with us, even though we are stiff-necked people? Pardon our iniquity. Forgive our sin. And take us, oh, I like this part, take us as your inheritance. Praise God. Can we ask the Lord to speak to us through his word this morning? Let's commit this time to him. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction where we need it. And I ask today, Lord, may your word accomplish all that you desire it to for every one of our lives in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, pray for a great anointing. Pray with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and to fill this place by your spirit. I ask for an anointing, oh God. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, oh Lord, that even as Jesus was anointed to preach good news, may I be anointed under the unction of your spirit to preach the word that is needed in this time. And I bind the works of the enemy, he who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse, or uproot the word as it comes forward. Lord, Give us liberty in receiving your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. It's a powerful passage. And this is the very text that our Corinthians, uh, what we've been talking about every week, this was the example that was given to us. This whole idea, Moses went on a mountain and had an encounter with God, and we now can learn from this. Uh, here's something that I want you to understand, and this was a shift that happened for me early in my Christian walk. I had the delight of being under the ministry of, of a great evangelist, a late revivalist named Steve Hill. And I mean, it was a weekly ordeal. Every Saturday night, we'd have these revival meetings, and I'm telling you guys, the glory of God would fill that place. There'd be times my eyes are closed and worship is going on, and the, and the worship was so loud, I couldn't hear who was coming towards me, moving or going, but I would feel the glory of the Lord, and I'd open my eyes, and here comes the man of God working his way through the, through the crowd, laying hands. Those were some of the most profound encounters. Remember, he'd lay hands on me, and on one occasion, I felt like lightning came from heaven. Struck me from the top of my head. I hit the ground. I shook under the power of God. I, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy that kind of thing. But I remember I had this encounter with the Lord, and he stands up, and he begins to challenge us that this is not just a touch from God. It's an impartation. It's not just a touch from God. You understand, when we sense God's presence, when he visits us in a time of worship, in a time of prayer, when we have encounters with God, it's not just 
to tickle us and, and to please us and to, you know, let me, just, let me just minister over you for a moment. When God touches us in a profound way, it always moves us to action. Here's an impartation. What are you going to do with it? When we read an example like Moses, I don't want you to just look at what happened to Moses on that mountaintop and think, wow, good for you, Moses. The point of this entire text is the fact that you and I have been invited to seek and to see the glory of God. What Moses was crying out for, we have been given an invitation to step into. That's a big deal. So when we see this, I like what Hebrews 12 talks about, the great cloud of witnesses. You ever read that? You can read in chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about, it talks about Noah, and it talks about Moses and Samson, talks about Esther, it talks about Rahab, talks about what we call the hall of faith, the most famous and, and powerful men and women of God in Scripture. But then in chapter 12, it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so let us run our race with endurance. You know what that means? That Moses and Noah and Rahab and all of these, they're looking down into the earth. They're looking at your life. They're looking at my life saying, you have the Holy Ghost. You have something we never had. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to run with this? Are you going to lay aside the weights and the hindrances, the sin that can slow us down and hinder us? Are you going to run with endurance the race that is set before you? This is the, the verse that came to mind. I was driving down the road and we had heard just earlier in the day that Brother Lauren Cunningham had gone to be with the Lord. And we're driving by campus, and there's a beautiful rainbow that was over the entire campus. And I just begin reflecting. I, I remember the night that my spiritual father died and, and went to be with the Lord, and I was praying, and, uh, you know, I mourned, I wept, I, I, I cried because I felt like he'd gone too early. But as I began to wrestle through these things, I had an awareness that, oh, my spiritual father, that now Lauren Cunningham has joined this cloud of witnesses that they're literally around us and they're watching us and boy we can feel sorry oh I'm not gonna hear him preach again and oh I didn't get a chance to shake his hand or receive a prayer and, and we can mourn that he's not here any longer but friend what I would challenge you on the authority of scripture is these have joined the cloud of witnesses and now they're looking down on your life and my life saying what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you I look at, I, I hope that you guys have come on board with this over time. I know I'm, I'm speaking kind of heavy, but, but this is a big deal. We're watching a man. I, I actually asked for the numbers, and, uh, you know, people will brag about, you know, I've preached in 30 nations. I've been to five different countries or whatever it may be. You ask Lauren Cunningham, how many nations have you been to? All of them. And the territories, I mean, like over, like I think there's, I, I looked online, there's like 193 different nations and territories. He's been to all of them. I asked Christoph yesterday, so how many YWAM bases are there all around the world? And he says about 2,500. 
2,500. You know what that means? That means that this man of God did not just walk in his assignment, in his calling, but he also made room for others to be equipped and others to be released and for disciples to be multiplied. So now that there's tens and even hundreds of thousands who are scouring the earth as missionaries trying to walk in the same mission that this guy blazed a trail for. And so what are these tens and hundreds of thousands. I mean, I'm watching, and you guys probably saw guys like Franklin Graham, and I mean, you just pick your hero. They were all posting pictures of how they'd been impacted, maybe just one moment or maybe a, a significant amount of time spent with that man of God. He's joined glory. By the way, you realize Lauren Cunningham's not dead. Lauren Cunningham is more alive than you are right now. Chew on that for a minute. He's more alive than you are. What we are living in is a shadowy substitute of what he's experiencing in the glory of God. Wow. So when we look to these heroes of faith, when we look to individuals like Moses, you understand that what they modeled for us is actually an invitation for you to run your race. And I want you to consider for a moment, you have, you have Moses. And Moses prays a radical prayer as he's there. I mean, he's on a mountain where God is visiting him. God hands him tablets. God gives him instruction. God is speaking audibly to Moses. And then Moses has the audacity to say, I want more. What? Like, I mean, if you were in a cloud of glory on the mountain, audible voice of God giving you instruction, uh, how many of you would have the audacity to say, I think there's more. God, could you give me more? You know, God honors hunger. God honors if you hunger and thirst after me and my righteousness, I will fill you. It's a spiritual gift. It's a gift of hunger. If you will get hungry for me, man, think about Jacob. Jacob's about the only other guy in the Bible who even comes close to this. He was wrestling with God. And the Bible says the sun was rising on the horizon. And he had the same awareness that Moses did. If I see you in the fullness of your glory, if I see your face, I will die. And so the Bible says at the breaking of day, the sun is rising. And he's about to look at God in the fullness of his revelation. He's about to die. But the Bible says he would not let him go. I will not release you until you bless me. Church, what I'm coming to you with today is this is the example in the model. You understand. You understand what it is to be the temple of the Holy Ghost? I believe that Moses and Isaiah and these Old Testament prophets before the ministry of Jesus, they're looking down at us today with a godly jealousy. Look at what you guys have. I mean, he tells Moses, you cannot see my face and live. You fast forward to today. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, I think I gave you this verse in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 says that Christ is the fullness of God in a human body. That means all that the Father is, all that the Holy Spirit is, all that the Son of God was embodied in Jesus himself. 
He is the fullness of God in a human body. And then look at verse 10. This is Colossians 2 in verse 10. But you, so you are complete through your union with Christ. You are complete. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily or in human form. And you are complete because you have been brought into union with him. Think about this. The temple was the dwelling place of God Almighty. In the temple, the glory of the Lord would rest over the Ark of the Covenant. And it was so powerful that you could not just waltz in there, you would die. Even once a year, this last week, Yom Kippur, one time a year, a priest would go in there, having gone through cleansing and gone through sacrifices and the sprinkling of blood. He would prepare himself, and he would go into that holy place. In fact, the Bible even talks about how they would... Uh, tie bells and, uh, and fruits to the hem of their garment. And part of the reason why is they would go into that most holy place and you could hear the jingling of the bells. But if it ceased because he was unclean, they had a rope that they would tie around their ankle because if he dropped dead in the glory of God, they would be able to pull him out. That's heavy. That's the temple. I want you to think, Moses, I cannot show you my glory. You will die. You cannot just waltz into the holy place. You will die. And yet Jesus, in John 17, prays, Father, I pray that your people will be one as you and I are one. Father, if they've seen me, they've seen you. You gave me glory. He prays all this in John 17. You gave me glory, and now I give my glory to them. May they behold my glory. Do you realize what would have killed somebody under the old covenant? Now, through the ministry of Jesus, through the infilling and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you and I can come and behold the glory of the Lord. This is why. Can you bring up that verse? 2 Corinthians chapter um, 3 in verse 8. Look at what it says. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. You may read Moses' story and say, wow, I wish I could have something like that. Friend, I'm here to tell you today what Moses experienced pales in comparison to what Jesus himself has invited me and you into. I know you did not get that. You can read the story of Moses and say, boy, I wish I could have a mountain glory experience like that. And friend, I am here to tell you on the authority of Scripture what Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, has made available for every one of us is an invitation to a greater glory than what Moses experienced. We can come into that. You can behold the glory of the Lord. And as you do, you are transformed from glory to glory to glory. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's going to get this. 
Somebody's going to grab a hold of this one day and say, you know what? My face could glow like that. I can behold the Lord with unveiled face. I, I will behold the glory of the Lord. I can hear him. I can speak to him face to face just as Moses did. Oh, my goodness. So what happens? The Lord comes down. The Lord comes down and he says, I'm going to show you my goodness. My goodness is going to pass before you and I'm going to give you my name. This is important. I'm going to give you, Moses, my name. Do you understand how powerful this is? Yesterday we were, I was meeting with somebody who's becoming a member of this church and they have a desire, they foster a child right now, and they have a desire for God to open the door for them to adopt that child. That's wonderful. But you may wonder, like, well, why would you want to adopt the child when you foster them? I mean, you foster the kid. That means they have a place to stay. They have a home. They get to be a part of, you know, this family, and uh, they have meals, and we provide for them. I mean, isn't that good enough? But when you adopt somebody, you understand that legally and on every level, you're a part of the family. You are now a part of the family. Not only am I bringing you in, now you're a son. You're a daughter. You have rights. You have an inheritance. That means you could be my heir if I would designate it that way. That means you have my name. So no longer are you what you were, an orphan. Now you're mine. So Moses says, God, can I see your glory? He asks him, can we be your inheritance? And the Lord says, I will allow my goodness to pass before you. And I'm going to give you my name. Now this is important. I'm going to give you the breakdown. In fact, the rabbis, what they would do is they would, they would take this name that the Lord gives right here in this context. It's the name Jehovah. I don't have time to break it down, but it's actually an abbreviation. It's a breakdown of, of, of certain consonants. And uh, there's a whole teaching there. It would take me all day to uncover. But there's a lot to his name. And the Jews, the, the, the rabbis would teach actually 11 characteristics of God. Eleven characteristics that are attached to his name. So I want you to take notes quickly. I'm not going to hang on most of these, but I want to give you those eleven things. Why? Because when we behold the Lord, I want you to understand who and what we are beholding. Many of us have a picture of Old Testament God, and it may or may not line up with Scripture. I today want to give you an accurate picture. This is when, when he appeared to Moses, I'm giving you myself, and I'm giving you my name. And this is what I want people to know about me. Are you ready for this? So first, he says, I am Jehovah. And he expresses this name, I am, I am Jehovah, I am Elohim, I am Adonai, I am God. Number two, he says, I am the mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. You know that we serve, we have been received by a mighty God. 
Oh my goodness. He had displayed this for the children of Israel. I mean, they had been brought out of Egypt. And I mean, it's really cool to see the breakdown. But most of those plagues were connected to various deities within Egypt. And God Almighty, the mighty God, came in there and shattered every single one of those pagan gods. He displayed his glory. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, splitting of the sea. He is a mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. Oh, I love it. Number three, he is the merciful God. The merciful God. That literally breaks down to he who is full of compassion. He's tender towards us. He is compassionate towards us. How often do you see that with Jesus? He'd be ministering, and people would come to him hungry. They'd have their needs. They were demonized. They were sick in body. And multiple times in Scripture, you see this statement that he was moved with compassion. And he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved moved with compassion. You realize Jesus is the Word of God. Which means that Jesus is everything that God has to say about himself. Let me say that again. Jesus is the Word of God. Which means Jesus is exactly everything that God has to say about himself. He embodies everything that is. He is the fullness of the Godhead in a human body. And Jesus was moved with compassion. Do you realize God Almighty, as he looks down upon you, this mighty God, Elohim, Adonai, as he looks down upon you, compassion. Compassion flows from him. He is, number four, the loving God. Oh, my. You guys, to consider that God Almighty, who is sustaining the universe, is concerned about you personally. He loves you. I want you to tell your neighbor right now, he loves you. Come on, tell your other neighbor, God loves you. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm going through. These are the attributes. Moses, I'm giving you my name. This is who I am. I am mighty. I am compassionate. I am love. Guys, most people did not look at God like this. And no other God can say, They're a God of love. No, most other gods on this planet, you understand, like, you cannot approach them. You cannot talk to them. You got to beat yourself. But even, I mean, you look at Allah. They are not even allowed to talk to God. You got to go through somebody else. And yet our God comes and says, I love you. I love you. He is the loving God. Number five, he is the patient God. Oh my goodness. Everybody say he's patient. Is anybody thankful that God is patient with you? Me too. Hallelujah. I don't know how many times I have blown it and you know, I'm going to do this again and go through this cycle again. And God is patient. 
and he still loves me, and he's still gracious. Hallelujah. So listen, you, you, I was reading the verse last night uh, that, a, that a, a wicked man falls, they don't get up, but a righteous man will fall. You want to know what makes him righteous? Get up. Keep on going. He still loves you. The Bible says he's faithful even when you're not faithful. So he's not angry with you. He's compassionate and he's patient towards you. He's the patient God. That, that literally breaks down. It means he's not easily irritated. Amen. I need the Lord to help me look more like him. I'm going to behold his patience. I will become more patient. Amen. By the way, just a, a little tip for you guys. Don't pray for patience. Do not pray for patience. You know how God, you know, because what he'll do is he'll send a test for your patience. That's what will happen. All of a sudden, your kids will irritate you to no level and just like, what is going on? Well, you prayed for patience. So don't pray for patience. You'll just, you'll get, the, the opportunities will come. They will just happen. Just go to Walmart. If you want to grow in patience, go to Walmart. All right. Sorry. Uh, number six. He is the sufficient God. The sufficient God. That means that he is, uh, literally breaks down to abundant. He is the great one. He is all sufficient. He is the all sufficient one. The God of more than enough. He gives with abundance. There's always leftovers. Amen. Always enough to be a blessing. I mean, how do you, you watch this testimony from Dr. Morocco. And it's like, he works his brains out. He's preaching. He's saving. He's selling. He's investing. He's doing all of these things. And when it comes time, okay, I'm about ready to buy a house. God just says, you know what? I'm just going to give you a house. And so you just got a million dollars left over. What in the world? That's the abundant one. That is our all-sufficient God. You realize that was, that's what he told Abraham. Abraham was a, was a, a, a shepherd. He, was a, he had cattle. He had livestock. And he shows up and he says, uh, I am the all-sufficient one. All of this that you see, I have all of that and way, way more. I don't need you. I don't need you to help me out. I have everything that I need within me to get you to where you need to be. Moses I want you to understand, as I'm revealing myself to you, as I'm giving you my name, I am the abundant one. I am the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. He is abundant. Everybody say abundant. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say he's abundant. That's why. You, you, you just better come on board with what God says about himself. I'm watching guys, so people make jokes about this. Uh, there's a particular cessationist author, and I could say his name, um, but I won't. Praise God. But he wrote a book that was condemning prosperity. And what is hilarious about this thing, that thing went on the bestsellers list. list. It made a lot of money, and God has blessed this guy so abundantly through a book that he wrote against prosperity. That's how faithful and true God is to his word and his name. That even if you don't believe it, sometimes he'll just bless your socks off because it's who he is, it's what he does. So praise God. <laughs> oh, I just, I get a kick out of it. So now he gets to go home to one of his three multi-million dollar mansions. Uh, doesn't believe in prosperity, but 
Praise God. All right, number seven. I better move on. Uh, number, number seven, the good God. The good God. Uh, that means that he's abounding in goodness. He is the bountiful being. He is, this is literally what the, the translation is. He is exuberant in benevolence. Exuberant in benevolence. Uh, exuberant, by the way, means uh, excitement. Full of energy profusely. I like that. So, you know, do you know that God is profusely good? God is profusely good. Like, I just get the picture. Like, he's, ex he's excited to shower you with goodness. You ever... Like, watch the kid getting ready for a race, or like they're gonna go down the water slide. I mean, you know, you just watch it, they get all jittery because they're excited about what they get to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever get like that sometimes? And uh, it's just, and that God is exuberant, God is excited, God is like, ah, I'm gonna give them goodness, I'm gonna pour out my blessing, ah, I just can't wait. He is profusely good. God is profusely. This is, you understand, this is the name that he has given us. Like, this is who I am, Moses. I'm going to allow my goodness. I'm going to show you who I am. This is the name that I am putting on you. I am profusely good. Oh, my God. That's why we can sing songs like his goodness is running. It's going to run you down and overtake you. I declare that over us every week. I'm getting fired up over this. I hope somebody gets excited about God's profuse blessings coming upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is profusely good. Everybody say profusely good. Number eight, he is the true God. The true God. Literally, that means he is the true one. He never deceives. He cannot be deceived. He is the fountain of truth from whom all wisdom and knowledge are derived. God is truth, and he is the true God. We had a, an experience yesterday. This was awesome. We went down. We wanted to check out all the Iron Man stuff, went and walked through the tents and you know, met some athletes, and uh, we were just going through the stores. And we went into one particular shop and there, uh, we saw they were selling crystals, okay? And, uh, and so we look, and DJ was infatuated. He wanted to get all these crystals. No, he didn't. He didn't. I'm just kidding. He did not. But, um, but we were looking at this thing, and uh, they had the sign over the crystals and how, like, you know, you hold this, and you meditate, and uh, good vibes will start coming your way. And, uh, and, and, and it's for real. It's talking about vibes and light and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm here. I'm reading this thing. And I'm like, everything that people who are drawn to this, everything they're looking for is found in Christ. Everything they're looking for is found in Christ. No, I'm serious. You, you realize that most of what the world, whether it's just some worldly knowledge or whether it is outright demonic and satanic in nature, it is a shadowy imitation or ripoff outright of something that God has designed. Like, like Buddhists didn't come up with meditation, you realize. King David was encouraging us to meditate way before Buddha did. I'm telling you that. Uh, you know, all of these things. Karma, that's not some yin-yang thing. No, karma, that's called sowing and reaping. That's called sowing and reaping. That's Jesus' idea way before these guys came up with that. All of these ideas, you can look. And so I'm looking at these crystals, and so I start talking to DJ. 
And I got a loud voice even when I don't have a microphone. So I'm telling DJ, I'm like, you know, last week I preached about how we behold the light of the world. We become the light of the world. And, and I saw an article this last week about these Japanese scientists who were doing studies on atoms. And they were getting way down. They were looking that on, a, on an atomic level, do you realize none of your atoms in your body are actually connected? You actually have more air in your being than what you actually are. What happens is you're made up of atoms that are slowly that are rapidly, uh, sorry, that are rapidly vibrating in close proximity to each other. I, I think there's something to this. Even like, like, how is it Jesus could walk through walls? There was something he was vibrating with that was able to go beyond this physical, this tangible. How can he reach into your body and pull cancer out of, out of bodies? Well, he's able to, to vibrate beyond this. Like vibrations, I'm telling you, this is not some hippie 60 thing. So like God designed us this way. And what was crazy is these secular Japanese scientists, they begin to look on an atomic level, and they see these atoms vibrating, and they're not even touching each other. And in the middle of every one of these atoms, do you know what there is in between every one of these atoms? Light. Like, we created in God's image. He literally created, like, people, human bodies literally emanate light all the time. All the time. Like, you, you glow in the dark, whether you realize it or not. You glow in the dark. And so what we're called to is greater levels of glory, greater levels of light. And so I, I'm talking to DJ about all this yesterday. And the girl who's selling crystals, she's looking over her shoulder at us. And I, and I look over and I, and I see her. I, I see her looking at us. And she's like, oh, I am eavesdropping on you. She tells us flat out, I'm eavesdropping on you. And I begin to express to her. We ended up inviting her to church. We ended up encouraging her. Like, you understand, what they're looking for in their crystals, the Bible actually provides the answer to. I'm just telling you, friend. So the next time you see, like, a Kat Von D who's still in the world, why is she? Why did she go into that world of witchcraft? I was talking to Michael this last week. Michael came out of a background delving in witchcraft, messing around with all this freaky stuff. He said they go into satanic church and sing this little light of mine. What in the world is that about? These guys have grabbed hold of a real truth and twisted it. You look and there's people that are in that world of witchcraft. They're, they're, they're looking at crystals. They're going after all of these kind of things. And friend, we are serving the true God. We have what they're looking for. So rather than you coming in, I mean, I could have blasted that girl. How dare you sell crystals? Do you understand what you're opening to the devil? No, instead, here's the truth. I believe that Jesus is the light that you're actually looking for, that the vibrations that you're talking about and yearning for are actually found in Christ, that, that we can get on his level and his peace can permeate uh, turbulent atmospheres and change absolutely everything. <laughs> oh. I I want to grow in this, man. I like, so praise God. Don't get freaked out. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So praise God. 
He is the true God. Number nine. There's 11 of these that I tell you. This is the most points I've ever preached in a sermon. Number nine. He keeps mercy for thousands. I want you to write this down. Number nine. He is the preserving, preserving God. He is the preserving God. It literally means that he is the preserver of goodness. He is showering his blessing on a thousand generations. His goodness never ends to thousands. He's showering compassion and mercy as long as the world endures. So think about this. The profusely good God is showering not just you with blessings, with his goodness, but his earnest desire is to see your kids and your grandbabies and your great-grandbabies to a thousand generations. That's why we make time for baby dedications. Because it's like, you know what? God, I've seen you be so good to to these two right here. But I want to see that blessing Curses can endure. The same passage, curses can endure three and four generations. But God's profuse blessings are to a thousand generations. And so we're going to watch entire family lines completely shift and transform. I was telling somebody about my dad. My dad, he, uh, he liked to leave his wife and start a new family every two years. Every two years, start a new family. So my legacy is divorce and broken marriages and adultery and immorality. But God stepped in. It began with my mom. It began with my mom. My mom got in. She was going through this divorce. She'd been betrayed. She'd been hurt. And she got around a group. It was a life group with a bunch of Pentecostal spirit-filled ladies who cast the devil out of her and then saw her baptized in the Holy Ghost. And in that moment, everything changed. Now her sons, all of her kids are in ministry. In fact, I look. I, I met like my brother Jeremy and Hilo. That's from my dad's next marriage. So I didn't grow up with Jeremy, but guess what? Jeremy is a pastor. And I'm watching like, God, you are so profusely good, and you are pursuing not just me, not just my mom, but now generations. And so I don't have the legacy of adultery or immorality or divorce or broken marriages or addiction or poverty. I have a godly inheritance. I have blessings, and my children will never have to go through the same things that I did. Hallelujah, my grandbabies, my great-grandbabies. <laughs> For a thousand generations. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Number 10, he forgives iniquity and transgression. Uh, number 10 is he is the forgiving God. He's the forgiving God. He bears away iniquity, transgression, and sin. He is the redeemer. He is the pardoner. He is the forgiver. And uh, the being whose desire is to forgive sin. You need to hear this, friend. God's desire is to forgive. That is what God wants to do. You're sitting in this room and you have failed miserably. You've blown it in your integrity. God is coming to you. Not waiting to judge you, but with a desire to forgive you. He wants to forgive you even before you ask him. That is crazy. Moses, I'm giving you my name. And I want everybody to know my delight is in forgiving people. You see, we've always been taught like twisted things about God. Like God was ashamed of Adam in the garden, and that's why he hid. No, listen, 
Adam hid. God came into that garden seeking Adam. Adam, where are you? And what happened? If you would come to me, Adam, I will cover you. And I love, Adam comes to to God, and, and what does he do? He not only covers him, but then pronounces judgment on the enemy. I'm cursing you, devil. And one day, Eve, through your descendants, will come Jesus, who will utterly crush and defeat the serpent. He didn't, he didn't, He didn't beat down Adam and Eve. No, he covered Adam and Eve. He gave them a blessing. He gave them the hope of redemption, and he cursed his enemy. The book of Isaiah, chapter 61, says that God clothes us in a robe of righteousness. Can I just tell you, you may be in this room today. And you feel ashamed of the life that you live. You feel ashamed of the sin that you've committed. But I want you to know, when God comes to us, he covers us in a robe of righteousness. And that's not because I'm ashamed of you and I need to cover you up. It's a robe that is signifying your identity. When the prodigal, he's, he didn't come and say, you've been, you've been sleeping with whores, you've been drinking, you've, you've squandered your inheritance, I'm so ashamed of you, so I'm going to cover you up. That's not what it was. He took a robe. He covered him. He blessed him. He threw a party. He was ready to be a slave in his father's house. But he says, no, you're a son. You're a son. And when we come to the Lord, no matter how miserably we failed, he puts his robe upon us, affirming your identity. You are my child. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. And I'm convinced, church, I am convinced that an awareness of our identity in Christ will move us far closer to God, far closer to his level of holiness than us in our best efforts ever would. So we need to receive him. We need to receive his righteousness. God's doing the same thing with each and every one of us. Jesus to the backslider in Laodicea, the sinner who is miserable, blind, and naked, and poor. What does the Bible say? Jesus isn't hiding from him. No, it says in Revelation 3, he stands at the door knocking. If you'll just let me in. If you'll just let me in, I'll take care of this. If you'll just let me. And that's what God does with every one of us, friend. You just have to accept him who has accepted you. The last one, worship team, would you come? I'm, I'm, I need to finish. Has this helped you this morning? We're, we know who we're beholding. Hallelujah. The mighty God, Jehovah, the merciful God, the loving God, the patient God, the sufficient or abundant God, the good God, the true God, the preserving God, the forgiving God. And the last one is the God of justice. He punishes transgressors. He is the God of retribution and justice. You know, I I noticed that most people who who get hung up on God, you know, angry God and all of this, this is the only one that they ever talk about. This is one out of 11, literally 10 to 1 outnumbered God's goodness and blessing and favor and abundance and, and all of this. And yeah, listen, if you spend your life rejecting the goodness and the forgiveness and the restoration and the, and the pursuit of God, if you spend your life rejecting that, 
There's no doubt about it. Heaven and hell are real. In a just God. See, we look at things like what's happening in Israel. And terrorists that we say there, there needs to be justice here. And we rejoice when situations like that are brought to justice. And it will be, I, I promise you, on the authority of Scripture because God is just and He will do right. But even in our lives, if we spend our lives rejecting Him, there will be justice for that as well. For those who choose to love their darkness, says John 1, they love their darkness and they reject the light of life. Would you stand all across this room? Hallelujah. How many of you can say God has been good to you? God has been so good. He's been so good. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to declare this. We're going to sing about the goodness of God in just a moment of adoration. Um, in the last service, I invited everybody to come to the front, um, but I don't, know if, I don't know if I can do that here today. I share, I'll go back to the thing that I shared at the beginning. We look at Moses. We look at heroes of the faith. And then we look at the race that God has laid before us. Moses and what he experienced was an example for each and every one of us to follow after. God, show me your glory. If Moses could pray that, And under a new covenant, there's greater glory. Lord, show me greater glory. I want to be hungry like Jacob was. I don't care if it costs me my life. I'm going to wrestle for all that God has for me. I want to be like Moses. (laughs) Even though he's got the craziest revelation of anybody in Scripture, he says, Lord, more, more. And then Jesus gives us permission. Father, let them come into this. May they behold the glory. The glory you gave me, I give to them. What an invitation. So Lord, we just come to you right now. I ask, O oh Lord, for your glory. I ask for your glory, Lord. Come on, is there anybody in the house of God brave enough to say, Lord, would you show me your glory? Come on, out of your own life. I can't pray that for you. Are you hungry for it? Lord, would you show me your glory? Lord, would you show me your glory? If Moses could ask for it, I have a better covenant. And if he could ask for it, I'm in union with you. I can ask for it. So, Lord, I ask, show me your glory. 
May I behold your glory. May I behold your your face. May I behold you, Lord. Come boldly before your throne. You've given me access. You've given me rights. I'm a son of the Most High God. I can come before your throne. I can look upon your face. I can be transformed into your glorious image. So, Lord, I ask, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Our goal is to make as many messages available for free as possible. But if you've been impacted today and would like to sow into our ministry, please visit our website at jacobbarrientos.org.